my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Happy Full House Friday, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta. Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. All right, how's everyone doing today? As we are entering the month of April, I am doing a double feature this month. I am doing the Fathers and Sons double feature. Slash daddy issues. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's just the father and sons double feature. All right. Well, the first episode, of course, that I'm going to cover, it's just fresh into season two. We're like three episodes deep into season two. Season two, episode three. It's not my job. October 28th, 1988. Out of eights. <laughs> In this episode, Jesse tells his father he's leaving the family bug-killing business, and Stephanie gets her first cavity. Ow! Uh, I cannot remember how old I was when I got my first cavity. I'm sure I was a child. Um, but honestly, for any anyone, any kid, I mean, that has got to be a traumatizing experience. And I think with dentist office now I think there are some that are equipped to handle like this is my child's first experience with a cavity we really want this to go well so they're not upset and just all the comforts that they possibly can give the child to help them through the the ordeal all right so we have Yvonne Wilder returning as Irene Katsapo. Actually, you know what? This may be their first episode as Jesse's parents. Because we only saw um, in Return of the Grandmas in season one, we saw a different actress playing Jesse's mom. So, let me... I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, this is 100% the first episode where Irene... Katsopoulos and Nick Katsopoulos appear. Irene Katsopoulos, of course, is played by Yvonne Wilder, and Nick Katsopoulos is played by John Apria. We actually get him reprising his role as Grandpa Nick in, I believe it's the season three mid finale where they go to Tokyo for Steve and CJ's quote unquote. Spoiler alert, almost, but not wedding. Because someone has to stay and watch Tommy. Why can't you bring Tommy with you? I don't, I think maybe it could be, you know, I don't know how long it, you know, an international flight would take. And I don't know how a baby would necessarily do. But why could, okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And I'm just going to most likely say that probably Jesse's mom did pass away. Because when 
Nick says, hey, Tommy, let's go check out the singles bar or something to that effect, or I'll use you to pick up ladies, something to that effect. Um, we do have Peter Kwong playing the dentist. So he is a definite guest star. We got, uh, this guy was Rain in Big Trouble in Little China, which I've never seen. A movie called Gleaming the Cube in 1989. Uh, for the most part, really, he was in a, an episode or maybe more of Drake and Josh. King of the Hill. Interesting. Just all, you know, voice credits, acting credits, you name it. He's done it. He's actually a year older than my parents. Well, my mom was born in 54, but still. All right, so. Episode was directed by Joel Zwick. We got writer Jeff Franklin, who is also the creator. Oh, my goodness, he just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff. All right. Oh, we got connections. Let's see. I just hit a button on my phone. The Wizard of Oz. Joey compares Stephanie's lack of courage to the cowardly lion. I love Lucy, Jesse and Joey referred to them. <laughs> Jailhouse Rock, poster in Jesse's room. King Creole, poster in Jesse's room. DJ's Halloween costume and Cleopatra. Oh, that's part of the cold open, I think. Yeah, isn't um, Stephanie dressed like a bunny rabbit? And then I think Michelle's dressed like a pumpkin or something. It's really cute. Danny, Joey, and Jesse's Halloween costumes are the Three Stooges. That's right. Elvira's my, oh, uh, dad wouldn't let me be Elvira. Um, <laughs> I think my sister one year when she was a teen was going to go as Elvira and, uh, someone put the kibosh on that. It's like, no, you're not. Here's a coat you can wear over your costume. <laughs> Call it good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. Ooh, we got trivia. First time Jesse does a jingle and advertising. In future episodes, he and Joey start up an advertising business and do jingles for a living. Which they would evidently drop, I think, once season five comes around, because we get a mention of that. Jesse's mom, Irene, is portrayed by Yovan Wilder in season one. Rhoda Gemming Nanny. Portrayed her in the episode of The Return of Grandma. Okay, Return of Grandma, not Return of Grandma. It's plural. Wilder portrays Irene seven times altogether. Starting with this episode, Yvonne Wilder replaces... Blah, 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 blah. The reason for the recasting was that Germangini was starting to become well-known for her recurring role as Tony Masse... Oh, that's right! She was on Who's the Boss? I remember. Okay. Uh, Tony Maselli's mother, I mean, uh, surrogate mother, neighbor from Brooklyn, Mrs. Rosini on Who's the Boss. Yeah, that's how she... Another <laughs> attempt, actually failing, adding a character at the end of a show's, like, final season, towards the final season of a show's run. A character named Billy. And I remember watching the E True Hollywood story on Who's the Boss? And a lot of the older actors were just um, 
they weren't happy. He, the kid would miss his marks. It's like, we've all been doing this for over eight years. This kid has really slowed us down. I didn't see the need to add him. Poor Danny Pintero, who played Jonathan Brower, got really short the short end of the stick because he'd be going through a script that week and like, I only have like two lines. It's because they're introducing this little kid who is not related to Tony in any way. But it's like, let's add the the cuteness factor. Like, no. The same thing with Growing Pains. And poor Jeremy Miller, who played Ben. He was the youngest son of Jason and Maggie. Bring in Leonardo DiCaprio in season seven, the final season, to rejuvenate some life into the show because they completely nerdified poor Ben. And it just made him... I mean, he used to be such a cool character in season five and six. He was so awesome. And they just nerdified him. And I just... I felt sorry for the actor because, like, oh, not only are we going to nerdify you, we're going to bring in someone to replace you and give him more screen time and more lines. And I'm just like... I mean, granted, yes, Leonardo DiCaprio exposure, awesome. But I just... I feel horrible for the way that Jeremy Miller got the short end of the stick. If you guys want to hear more about Growing Pains, my Show Me That Smile Again Growing Pains podcast is on Looking Back on My Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. However, it is pretty much a podcast for like 18 and up, just due to mainly language. So, okay, let's. Ooh, we got some goofs. We got some goops. Continuity. When Jesse starts to tell Irene his big news and takes off his jacket, he leans down slightly to do it. In the next shot, he stands straight. Continuity. When Jesse, when Danny tucks Jesse in, the fur quilt comes down with the corner just touching Jesse's wrist. Then it cuts to a close-up of Jesse's face and the from, and the quilt comes almost to the edge of the bed. It's not a quilt, guys. It's like a faux fur comforter it's not a quilt a quilt to me a quilt is something that is made with love that takes time because you have to sew it you gotta sew the the fabric in the squares together that's a quilt in my mind a quilt is something your grandma makes and hands down to you as a wedding gift okay so of course what episode is going to be following this one? Well, you'll just have to wait and find out <laughs> at the end of the episode. All right. So before I officially get into season two, episode threes, it's not my job. I want to let all the Tanner newbies, a.k.a. new listeners who have just jumped aboard the Tanner train, a.k.a. the podcast, want to let you know where you can listen to the podcast. You can go to SoundCloud or iTunes. Those are the two platforms that the podcast is on. Also, the podcast has an email address. It is omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Also, I leave the episode, the email address in the episode description on SoundCloud. That way, if you want to share your Full House or Fuller House memories growing up with the show or ideas for the show, fun little fan fictions, if you will, 
if Full House had gotten a season 9 or 10, or if Fuller House had gotten a season 6 or 7, where you see the characters. Because if you think about it, Full House ended in 95, Fuller House started in 2016. Sure, we got little bits and snippets and pieces of what they were doing in that span of 20-plus years. But if you guys are creative and you want to just have fun with it and just submit something for funsies that I can read on the podcast, go for it. Also, if you've been listening for a bit, <clears throat> if you're a Full House regular and you enjoy listening to the show, you come back every single week or every other week when I drop a new episode, and you want to share the Full House love, you can go to iTunes, search Full House. The Fuller House Full House podcast will pop up. Just click on it, scroll down to where it says leave a review, and leave a review. You can use emojis to describe characters, storylines, episode titles. Well, maybe episode titles over storylines. We'll see. Um, yeah, just have fun with it. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House. Full House and Fuller House. You say that together and it just blends. It will help other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves be able to find the podcast. One last thing for the Tanner newbies. When I created this podcast, which will be celebrating its fourth anniversary in April, I knew there were other Full House podcasts out there. However, I wanted to be a podcast that celebrated both of my loves of each show. Growing up with Full House and, you know, enjoying Fuller House for exactly what it was. Just reminiscing with the characters, getting to see them grown up. You don't always get that with every single show that you watch growing up. You don't always get these. And reboots can be a good or bad thing. It just kind of depends on the show. So, I'm losing my train of thought. (laughs) Well, anyway, what my idea was in creating this podcast was I wanted a safe space to talk about the show and the characters and how much I love it. But I wanted to do it where it could be a family friendly ears of all ages podcast. So those that have grown up with the show that have children and are introducing them to the characters that they grew up in in love. I wanted to create a podcast that, everybody could listen to. You don't got to worry about inappropriate talk. You don't got to worry about F-bombs being dropped. Just sit back and enjoy. And also, if you're like me, sometimes you're playing your, you know, your phone podcast out loud for all the years of the world to hear. If you're in the grocery, well, not in the grocery store, but, uh, you know, doing your laundry, you know, dishes, making dinner, all that good stuff. And I just, yeah, I wanted to be that, that podcast because unfortunately there really aren't many options when it comes to full house podcasts that are clean and family friendly. There is one called What's This Full House? I believe that is one of the other Full House Clean podcasts.
podcast. However, I mean, any podcast is going to tell you whether it's e, rated E for expletive or it's C for clean. So, but that way you get your dose of Full House. And the other thing that is different is I don't go in order of air date. I don't go episode by episode. I like doing themes. I think it's fun and creative to come up with a theme and kind of lump episodes into that character, into that character, <laughs> and to that category. Sorry, guys. It's uh, 9.55 in the morning. So, yeah. And I just... I think it's fun. I really, really do. Uh, this year, we are taking a smidge break from Fuller House so I can focus on wrapping up the Full House portion of the podcast at the end of the year. And then in 2024, I will be taking Fuller House by storm. I may do some more themes. I will be doing cast birthday episodes for Fuller House next year. So, yeah. Basically, whatever episodes can come up with themes and kind of group them together, that's one thing. And then, you know, cast member birthday episode dedications, that's another. But other than that, for the most part, I'm just going to be going in order of basically covering the episodes I haven't gotten to in the last four years. So, all right. I think I've said my piece. Let's jump into It's Not My Job and see Jesse finally tell his dad feeling he's going to break his heart, saying, Dad, look, I've been with you in the exterminator business since I was a kid and you showed me the ropes. But I have dreams and passions that I need to follow and forge my own path in the world. He doesn't say those words exactly, but... We know Jesse's passion is music. We know that he's just doing this job because, you know, it's a job that he got from his dad. And you kind of do see sometimes it feels like these family-owned businesses. It's kind of even a trope in a way where it's the parent assumes or expects most of the time that said child will take over the family business disregarding the fact that that child may have dreams of their own, which I feel to put that on someone's shoulders, unless they want that, you need to let them live their life and do what they are going to do and forge their own path in their own way. All right. Again, here we go. Let's check out this. I'm sure it's an adorable cold open. Uh, one last thing real quick. I know there are listeners that do have trauma-related, I don't want to say issues because that just sounds harsh, but um, this medical-related trauma, I want to refer to it as that, in regards to the dentist office scene, what I'm going to do is I will let you know when it comes up. And you can use your best judgment how you want to proceed. If you want to listen to it, you can. I'm not going to get into it too detail But just, you know, describe the scene and pretty much, you know, move on and play the clip and everything like that. So if that's something you feel in your heart that you're not ready to tackle yet, feel free to kind of skip it. That's why I'll give you a heads up when it comes up. Because, you know, like I said, I want you guys to enjoy the episodes 
And I just want you to, you guys know yourself best and how you handle everything. So I'll let you guys kind of take it from there. I'll just give you guys a heads up. So I'm surprised we didn't get a little connection here with the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland because, oh, this costume is so adorable. Oh my, and if you think about it, because we do get Divorce Court, I think, later this season. So this is our, like, our, our mini little Halloween episode, because season two, we do get Christmas. First season, we got Thanksgiving, so they're kind of hitting their bases with uh, the holiday episodes here. And, yeah, she's just, I love this costume. If I don't see any, like, outfits that stand out to me, I probably will. Stephanie's costume, hands down, I love it. It's just, and she's got a pink nose, and she's got, like, little, like, black whiskers around her face. It's so cute. She's like, hop to it. We're late. We're late for a very important date. White Rabbit, Alice in Wonderland. Uh-huh. Yep. I actually, <laughs> I had gotten a um, Rudolph onesie just before Christmas, and I ended up just wearing it, like, a week ago because it was kind of cold out. And I, I, the reason I held off wearing it is, like, because I'm short and I just didn't know if it would fit. But I tried it on. It fit. It's great. Then I went on and searched Disney onesie for adults on Walmart. And I found a Bambi onesie, guys. I'm like, I'm buying this. It's happening. I love it. It's so great. Here comes DJ, dressed as Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile. I like her outfit. It is very creative. Actually, now that I think about it, Punky Brewster and the Take Me Out to the Ball Game Season 1 episode had Cherry Johnson dressed up as Cleopatra, Punky was dressed as Indiana Jones, and of course, Brandon the Wonder Dog was dressed up as Merlin the Wizard. <laughs> Stephanie is such a little critic. She's like, why'd you pick that? And DJ says, well, Steph, because Dad wouldn't let me be Elvira. He's like, uh, no, DJ. Uh-uh, try again, sweetie. <laughs> it's just funny when people say Elvira because that was the name of our dog, my uh, family dog, from the time I was a child until I was like, I think she passed away when I was 12. I was 11 going on 12. And um, the secret to her name, no, she did not get named after the Queen of the Night. No, she was named from the Oak Ridge Boys song, Elvira. My sister and I, I had visited, and the song came on. And, like, is this, the, is this what Elvira was named after, the, our dog? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, so cute. I, I gotta, uh, I wanna applaud the, um, wardrobe in this cold open. They nailed it with all the costumes, with Stephanie, with DJ, with Jesse, Joey, and Danny as the Three Stooges. <laughs> oh, they are going to be, they've dressed up for the costume contest. I'm guessing, is this like a all-ages thing where anyone can join? It must be because, uh, yeah, Danny's like, hey, girls, we're a lock to win the costume contest. And, of course, DJ's like, I wouldn't count on it, Dad. Here comes Michelle. And she is dressed in a pumpkin. 
outfit and I oh so adorable I remember when my youngest nephew around Halloween was dressed as Tigger and it's just like oh so cute I mean how can you not she all comes in wearing this pumpkin suit from neck um down to her legs she's wearing the top of the pumpkin on her head and she says candy and I'm just like you give that girl the prize right now because you can't top that. You can't top that. DJ says, we're all dead meat. That is the cold open. about this costume that Stephanie's wearing. I'm just thinking the actress Jodie Sweden who plays Stephanie just being on set with those you know big lights lighting the set and just thinking like how warm <laughs> she's gotta it's gotta be too warm in that costume I bet anything because it's just it's really it's plush and fluffy and it's just like oh my goodness <laughs> okay, so we come out of the intro. We're in the kid. We're in the living room. Excuse me. We got Jesse and I don't think any of these guys are rippers. Oh, excuse me. No, oh, there's Gary. Okay. So yeah, he's maybe some of these guys might be like in and out rippers as far as some. You got your regulars. You know, you got Gary. And then you, I don't think any of these other guys are regular rippers. Or maybe it's just you swap them in and you swap them out. So anyway, they're getting ready to, you know, do the jingle. They're not recording it. They're just kind of going over it in the living room. And of course, Joey's there with the, the shirt that he's wearing is like electric color lines of like light blue and lavender purple running through and Jesse's getting ready to go like something like one two and Joey goes hey and Jesse turns like what Joey says hey look Jess I mean you've never written an advertising jingle before have you and Jesse says no Joseph I haven't and Joey says well I mean if you're gonna sell this thing you'll need something that no one else has me so, of course, Joey whips out that old harmonica. He's always got it in his pocket. You never know when there's going to be time to jam on that harmonica. I love how when Jesse pulls a harmonica out of Joey's hands, Joey is still, like, like breathing like he would be breathing into a harmonica. And I think it was, like, stomping, like, his foot. 
on the ground because I kept hearing that. I'm like, who is doing that? And it's like, clearly, it's got to be Joey. Oh, here's where we get the Lucy reference. As Ricky says, Lucy, I say you, I didn't say you could be in the show. I can't do a uh, Ricky. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> oh, but Joey doing an impression of Lucy. Oh, Ricky. I, I don't know. I don't even know if that's even close, but. <laughs> Basically, Joseph, you're just here to be an uh, uh, invisible audience member. You don't actually. You're just here to watch and observe. You're not here to commentate. Okay, um, suggestion. If you want to do this and not be interrupted, I get it, there's not much room in his bedroom. How about, just say, hey, Joey, do you mind if we, you know, hightail it down to your basement apartment? There's plenty of space. We'll be all, like, spread out. Because you're right there smack dab in the middle of the living room. You're going to get interrupted by someone coming through the front door or someone coming through, the, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yes. Danny has brought DJ and Stephanie back from their dentist appointment. And, of course, DJ is thrilled. No cavities, baby! Woo! <laughs> um, fingers crossed for me. Um, I do have an upcoming dental appointment. I've been doing good for years now with no cavities. I'd love to keep the streak intact, but part of me kind of is nervous. Like, eh, I've been having sugar. I've been brushing my teeth after, though, after the sugary treats. So, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, guys. Fingers, hold, have your fingers crossed for me. And, and early March, I got my appointment. I'm, ner I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous. I've had such a good no-cavity streak. I want to keep that streak intact forever if possible. So, yeah, Stephanie's got her first cavity, which, I, I don't know. I mean, with kids, I mean, I, I don't know what the protocol is. It's like, is it normally just one cavity or sometimes it could be more than one? But she is just so depressed when she comes. And not to mention, I get what she's saying. It's going to fall out anyway. It's a baby tooth. I mean, honestly, if that's the case, why don't they just pull the tooth? I mean, she's, again, she's going to lose it anyway. Why don't you, have a, you know, beat it to the punch and just take the tooth? I don't know. That's just, that's just me. It just seems like, why spend money filling that, you know, filling it? Uh, just to have it fall out anyway. It's like wasted money. Yeah, she she walks through the door extremely depressed, sinks down onto the step there and says, Why do I have to have a filling? I'm gonna lose it anyway, it's a baby tooth. And both Joey and Danny saying, Come on, Steph, it's not that bad. It's like she's never experienced this before. She doesn't know it's one thing to have a routine cleaning. It's another thing for it to be more intense and that can honestly be traumatic for a child and I'm just kind of thinking uh the other day about how there are dentist offices that just strictly cater to their patients just being like of a certain age you know like 10 and under and there's just so many things nowadays that are uh, dentists can be equipped with that can help 
children through the process of having a, a filling done or a cleaning. And I also think about those children out there that or are possibly mentally handicapped. They could be, you know, autistic or, you know, on the spectrum of sorts, and they don't understand what's what exactly this is. So just, I think, I'm sure there's something like it's like, um, like an iPad with a screen to kind of distract them while this, or um, also another thing when it comes to like possibly, you know, the loud noises and stuff, they could have headphones on or just whatever it takes to make them comfortable to ease them into and get through the process to make it as, as easy and as comfortable as possible for them. This is, you know, again, this is back in, like, 1988 when, uh, we really didn't have that available to us at the time. And I, I honestly cannot remember how old I was when I had my first cavity, but I do know the earliest dentist visit I can honestly remember would most likely have to be maybe when I was maybe six or seven. So right around Stephanie's age. And I'm trying to think whether or not the dentist office may have even had a fish tank in the particular room. So that would have been a... Just, that's another thing. Yeah, our small town newspaper... I think it was like every month or every few months they would have a list of kids. They put the names in the paper. They put the names in the paper for um, good dental health, like awarding you for good dental. Like, hey, this handful of people all had good dental health. They didn't have any cavities, so you got. Yeah, and the thing is, I didn't know that until, as an adult, you can act, I can actually go on the library website of the town that I lived in, and they have old, um, little ledgers on archive, and it's really cool, you can, like, just type in a name or stuff, and if there's an article about them, I think they go as far back as, like, maybe 86, 80, 1989 onward, so it's really cool. I just, I had no idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, my name's on here. We're having good dental health. And Stephanie doesn't want to hear it. She, when everyone says it's not that bad, it's bad. So they're not quelling her feet. I mean, they're just saying, oh, Steph, it's not that bad. I'm not saying, like, don't worry, sweetie. We're going to support you. We're going to help you get through this. And, you know, you know, I'm sure DJ had had a cavity at least once in her life. She could probably... Letter, which I think later on up in the bedroom, like she does say, look, I've had, I, I can't remember. It's been so long since I watched this one, but we know Kimmy doesn't exactly help because uh, she goes into graphic detail about what the doctor has to do to fill the cavity. I'm like, girl, you're not helping. In fact, you should go away. Oh, Jesse, of course, is like, hey, Steph, look, I got the perfect thing to cheer you up, all right? Me and the guys here, we're working on this advertising jingle. It's my first jingle. You and DJ can be the ad exec so we can kind of practice in front of you. We really, really could use the support. Uh, he says, hey, you can help me rehearse my jingle presentation. So this 
obviously is a catchphrase before how rude came along. Well, the thing is, this is season two. We got the first how rude and sisterly love in season one. But it just feels like it's not a Stephanie staple catchphrase just yet. But we do get a lot of her. And even in like season four or five, we do get her saying hot dog. I mean, if I had to choose between, I mean, clearly How Rude is always going to be my top favorite. Hot Dog will probably be second. But the one I really despised of her catchphrases was, well, pin a rose on your nose. I don't, I, I don't know why. I just, maybe I'm just have an aversion to flowers. I'm not a fan of them. And that just kind of, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why. But <laughs> that is like my least favorite of her catchphrases. And I was just telling my husband, it seems like after, I'm trying to think. After season five, I don't even think we get You Got It Dude from Michelle anymore. That kind of ebbs away over time. Yeah, he's like, all right, you and DJ sit in this chair and you pretend like you're important advertising executives. Is that how he got this advertising gig? Because he's like, oh, hi, I'm Jesse Katsopoulos. Your secretary saw my band play and thought our tunes were catchy and thought we'd be a... I heard you guys were looking for a jingle or writer, so... Yeah, they're looking for a jingle for the new water theme park Splash City. And, of course, we do get... You hear a Beach Boys tone in that, where it just feels like, uh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Pounds Away. That's a different one. It does feel Beach Boy-esque, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I said it's very Beach Boysy. I love this. I really do love I think it's good. I think the advertising company, I mean, I think they would go for it. They probably wouldn't make it as long. Because it's just a water park. I remember when uh, Michigan Adventure eventually, I think, because it went from Deer Park Funland to Michigan's Adventure in like 1989. And then eventually, I believe it was, you know, added a water park. So it's like two parks for the price of one at Michigan's Adventure. That was their jingle. That was a commercial. And, um... I would think anything that's going to be a TV ad, or no, I think it's just a jingle, so I'm guessing it's got to be more of a, it's a radio, a lot of these are all pretty much just, they're going to be on the radio, it's not going to be long, like, they probably want, like, 15 seconds or less, so they probably just, like, take the jingle and just kind of cut out the parts and just, like, smush the rest of it together to be something quick. Joey jumps in with the black sunglasses and his harmonica and I'm just like dude those are two different songs the, it just, the harmonica does not fit with the Beach Boys-esque theme they got kind of going here one guy in particular who's wearing like a light brown and cream white plaid shirt He's got like a Anakin Skywalker uh, rat tail thing going on like uh, Hayden Christensen, young Anakin did in the Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. I don't know all about the Star Wars universe, so please don't quote me on this. But I did see the second movie in the theater 
because of Hayden Christensen. I've been a fan of his since 2000, 2001 with uh, the short-lived show ABC on ABC Family or Fox Family <laughs> or the Family Channel. It kept changing names. I think right now, I think it isn't freeform anymore. But anyway, it, it was a show called Higher Ground. I believe the episodes are on YouTube. Really good acting from Hayden Christensen. I feel anyway. Yeah, and just, it's, it's good. I like it. And of course, they're like, oh, well, what did you think? Uh, Ad execs? Audience loves it. We got, we got a major applause. We got whistling. They love it. Yeah, Jesse's like, all right, so what do you think, Steph? And Steph says, I think it's going to fall out anyway. It's a baby tooth. He, did he ask DJ what she thought? Oh my gosh. I really would have loved to get DJ's opinion on it. saw my band play and thought the tunes were kind of catchy. I heard you guys were looking for a jingle for your new water theme park, Splash City. I'm a songwriter, so I thought I'd put something together. Here it is. Ready? One, two, a one, two, three. Where the sun has got to show doggone, but you got nowhere left to run. And the nearest beach is way out. There's only one place to go for fun. Do you want to have fun? Splash City to make a big way. So now we're upstairs 
in the girls' room. We got DJ and Kimmy doing their homework. Well, more like DJ is doing their homework. Kimmy even moves DJ's arm so she can copy what DJ wrote. And DJ looks at her like, Kimmy, what are you doing? And, yeah, because DJ even puts up, you even wrote my name down on your paper. See, if DJ hadn't put a stop to this at this point, we, we wouldn't have gotten old cheater kid. Well, the fact is, if they had the same class together, and she hands in the same exact paper as DJ, but with her name, I mean, I would think that a teacher would scrutinize it, like, hmm, wait a minute, where did I read these exact thoughts? Oh, hmm. And she'll go and look at the grade book, look at DJ's work, then look at Kimmy's, and then start scrutinizing, like, hmm, wait a minute, this, I'm seeing a pattern here. She called both girls into class and asked what's going on and say, hey, I don't think it's good that you study together because I feel that Kimmy needs to learn on her own. So here comes Stephanie with her rinse cup and her toothbrush. She is brushing overtime. I'm like, sweetie, that isn't going to do anything. The cavity, unfortunately, is still there. You can't, even Kimmy says, well, you can't brush it away because it's, it's already there. It, you, it, it's already there. It's in the tooth. It's just, it's just like, hey, look, now going forward, you'll know more about preventative care. I mean, clearly she, you know, her mom showed her how to blur, brush her teeth. The girls probably brush their teeth at the same time. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Like, DJ, how do you not get cavities? How come I got a cavity? Oh, <laughs> I wonder what that gesture was from, that hand gesture from DJ was. Because Stephanie comes in, she goes, hello, and we just see DJ who's sitting at that little table, like, do a little hand flip, like, huh. Kimmy gets up, she's, ah, <laughs> oh, she's wanting to start something. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm brushing my teeth. And Stephanie says, I'm brushing away my cavity. And apparently, according to DJ, Stephanie has been brushing for three days. So it's been three days since she got the news that she's got a cavity. And usually when that happens after you're cleaning, they usually want to set you up like ASAP to get that taken care of. Because the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be and the more difficult it's going to end up becoming painful. Oh my gosh, the way Stephanie, or DJ says she's been brushing for three days. Makes me think of the Shape Up episode from season four where Stephanie says she hasn't eaten anything in three days. Just the, the same, <laughs> the same wording, the same, said, the line basically said the same way. Can't be talking down to Steph. Kid, you can't brush it away. You can't wish it away. The only thing you can do is drill it away. Cammy, we don't need the sound effect of a drill. Thank you. She's purposely scaring Stephanie, who's already stressed out about this, as it is. This cannot... Is it? This can't be the first mention of Kathy Santoni. I remember in the horse episode... Hold on a sec. Let me, I got the DVD here. Let's see. Sorry about the noise. My husband's making our lunch. Um, oh my goodness. Um, I think it is the first 
Because we don't get a Kathy Santoni name drop until season two. So, yes, it is this. Oh, my gosh. That's right. DJ's Very First Horses episode four of season two where we get. That'll make Kathy Santoni shut up about her stupid moped. Yeah, okay. So, we get oh, two episodes right in a row name dropping Kathy Santoni. And we know that Kimmy is full of hot air because, um, I can tell you, Kathy Santoni, we don't, we don't see her until, I believe it's thir uh, season three's 13 Candles. That's the first appearance we get of Kathy Santoni. Okay, come on, Kimmy. She went in for a filling and came out with her mouth wired shut. Who told you this phony baloney lie. This is, she is, like, this is graphic for a kid's show. And I'm sorry, but it makes me think of those commercials that scare kids out of trying to smoke cigarettes, because you see uh, a woman that's wearing a scarf around her neck because she had throat cancer, and just, and she's using, like, a voice box up against her, her throat to be able to speak. But it's just, this is, this is just, it's disgusting. And it's like, we didn't need this line. Saying so she had to eat through a hole and I'm sorry. It's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I really, even DJ, I'm surprised DJ doesn't step in and say, hey, please stop scaring my sister. This isn't helping her. Because DJ's got a worried look on her face. And just Kimmy is just going to town with all these horrific images projecting into Stephanie's mind. Like, you're going to give her, like, some form of PTSD. Pre-PTSD. Before she even goes to have the cavity taken care of. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I get it. She and Steph like to rib each other a lot, but this is, this is a bit much. This is too much, in fact. I don't like this. And now all of a sudden we see... That Stephanie has a second toothbrush and she's using both of them on this particular. I hope she wet the bristles because that's going to be uncomfortable. A dry toothbrush bristle against your. Mm, I don't like that at all. <laughs> what? You even copied my name. <laughs> oh. What are you doing? Brushing away my cavity. She's been brushing for three days. Kid, you can't brush it away. You can't wish it away. You have to drill it away. <laughs> Did you hear about Kathy Santoni? She went in for a filling and came out with her mouth wired shut, and she had to eat through a hole in her throat. So Danny comes in and shuts slash slams the door. Because you hear an audible cool. And he's like, well, <laughs> guess who's here? He is, he's got a smile on his face. And Kimmy says, mm, you. And Danny says, well, yes, I mean, it is me, but there's someone else. And we hear, it's Grandpa Katsopolis, open up. So, yes, this is the first appearance of Nick and Irene Katsopolis playing Jesse's parents. And I think they really got a great, they casted really well for the roles of Jesse's parents. I just, 
wow, I really wish we would have gotten to see them more in like either season five or six, especially when Jesse and Becky have the twins. We see more of Aunt Ida than we see of Nick and Irene. Like, they're so pleased as Punch to see him. He's like, oh, where are my two ladybugs? I'm like, Grandpa! And then there's Grandma. Aww. They're just, I love them. They're sweet. I love how they, like, switch and, like, Stephanie runs to Grandpa Nick and DJ runs to Grandma Irene and it's just, aww. It's set. We do get a Pam name drop from, from Nick later when he and, and Jesse are you know, having their, uh, the argument slash heart to heart. Um, I'm surprised none of them said, like, oh my gosh, you girls are looking more and more like your mom every day, and it's like, oh, we don't want to go out on a sad note so early in the episode, or just, I mean, even Irene, I would, I mean, think about it, Pam is their firstborn child, that's their first baby, and we get, yeah, that is honestly the only reference we ever get from them admitting that they had a daughter before Jesse. And we only get that from Nick. <laughs> Danny Smythe, he's just, he's so happy. Like, oh, hugs. I love hugs. I love seeing people give hugs. I love to get hugs, to give hugs. He is a hugging machine. So he said that in the pilot, didn't he? He's like, I'm a lean, mean, hugging machine. Of course Kimmy gets out of there. It's like, oh, you have company. See you later, Deej. So apparently they've been around enough to know DJ's friends' names, especially Kimmy. Because Grandpa Nick's like, oh, hey, Kimmy, uh, still copying other people's homework? Yeah, that's what I thought. She says, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to cut down. Bye. <laughs> like, dang, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Nick laughs at that. So, Irene notices that Stephanie is double brushing her tooth. Because she's like, oh, Danny, I see you're stressing good oral hygiene. I think um, two toothbrushes, though. <laughs> uh, maybe a bit much. <laughs> okay, um, see... DJ should have stepped in with this and just like, Kimmy, can you not with my sister? She's stressed out enough. Because <laughs> Danny has to kind of jump in and take over here. Because Stephanie says, Kimmy Gibbler said I'd have to wear mouth wires. They threw a hole in my throat. I just, I don't like that. We're, mm. So Danny's trying to like, you know, Steph, sometimes Kimmy has a tendency, sometimes Kimmy, Kimmy's imagination, you know, Kimmy's an airhead, basically, let's just leave it at that. Don't take anything she tells you with a grain of salt, as in it not being true. Are we gonna laugh at that? Kimmy's an airhead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she can be kind of thoughtless when it comes to uh, something like this. Guess who's here? You. Well, yes, it is me, but there's someone else. Rampart, what's up? Open up. You're my two little lady ah! Oh, I like darling. Switch. Ah! Hello, darling. Oh. You have company. See you later, Deej. Hey, Kimmy. So 
got me in people's homework? I'm trying to cut down. <laughs> I see you're stressing good oral hygiene. Can we give her so I'd have to wear mouthwash and eat through a hole in my throat? Honey, you know Kimmy has a tendency to... Sometimes Kimmy's imagination... Kimmy's an airhead. <laughs> So, DJ, <laughs> I like how she casually is like, so, Grandpa Nick, do you have anything that needs unwrapping? And Danny immediately, DJ, come on. Just your your grandparents being here to hang out with you should be enough. They're not going to bring you presents every time they come over. And then Danny looks at Nick and he says, oh, what about me? Did you bring me anything? And I'd be like, um... He gave you his firstborn child. He gave away his firstborn child, his daughter, her hand in marriage to Danny. <laughs> Danny says, tacky deed, you can't expect presents every time your grandparents come over. So Nick's like, girls, we give each other love, not toys and bags with money. And Grandma says, very true. And then she turns to Danny and says, oh, I want to see Michelle. Has she learned to say grandma yet? And Danny says, well, I mean, she is getting there, but it sounds more like granola. <laughs> so Danny and Irene go to head out the door, and Danny's like, oh, Nick, you coming? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, in a second, in a second, I want to finish my lecture with the girls. So it's like, I love how he does this for emphasis. Now, girls, you can't expect presents every time we come over. He goes over to Danny like, hey, I got this. You you two, uh, you go visit Michelle. You know he's going to pull out his wallet and start <laughs> pulling out bills. But here's my bucks for the both of you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've never, ever had a grandparent come over and give me money. <laughs> <laughs> like, just for visiting, here's $5. Like, no. Because, I mean, most of the time, because my, my one grandma, grandparents, they live, like, half a mile away from us. I mean, you could walk across the field and get to their house. So, usually, it was me going over to their place most of the time. And, of course, Nick says, but remember, don't tell grandma. And they all do the zipping of the lips and throwing away the key. Yeah, DJ's red and white candy cane striped shirt here has a um, picture on the front that says berries in red font across the top. And then a young boy with overalls and a straw hat looking out over a, a field of, you know, strawberries, raspberries, Something to that effect. And it's just that, just... that just makes me think of home. I mean, none of my cousins that I can remember, I don't think they wore overalls. And they definitely didn't wear straw hats. I mean, this is like from a period time of, say, sometime around the 20s. 1930s somewhere it just but I like the scenery on it it's really cute oh uh, Grandpa Nick do you have anything that needs unwrapping Tacky Deej you can't expect presents every time they visit did you get me anything <laughs> girls we give each other love not not toys and bags of money very true I want to see Michelle has she learned to say grandma yet she's working on it Right now, it sounds like granola. <laughs> you coming, Nick? 
Now I want to finish my lecture. Come here, girl. Now, you can't expect presents every time we pop over. Here's five bucks for both of you. Thanks, Grandpa. But remember, don't tell Grandma. Got it. Gosh, I've forgotten the scene. We're in the kitchen. Joey, of course, is cooking. We all know Joey's not the greatest cook. So he's going to have Irene taste whatever he's cooking. It looks like some type of sauce. I'm kind of wondering if Irene might be, like, kind of Italian. Well, it seems like Irene Cochran, you know, who played Jesse's mom in season one, was straight up Italian, 100%. Whereas now, since the last name is Katsopoulos, they're inhibiting uh, Greek traits, which I'm guessing Greek, of course, has got to come from Nick's side because Grandpa Papuli from Greece. And I'm just thinking, I'm really wondering. Danny looks like he's dressed to go to work. Is that the case? Is he going into work today? I don't know. But <laughs> I want to see how this plays out because... I bet she's going to try to, like, Joey, mm-mm, mm-mm, get away, get out of the kitchen, let me take over, okay? Because I know how to cook. I'm going to show you how to cook for this family. See, this would have been great, and, and the thing is, I, I haven't watched the scene yet, but, gosh, I really wish we could get a Pam reference, like, oh, you know, my Pamela, she loved to cook. Danny, remember how she would always make the lunches for the girls the night before and just these beautiful dinners. You know, I taught her how to cook. Guys, I would love to see something like this. I don't think we're going to get it, but I would love to see this. So I want to see how this plays out. Oh, she doesn't eat what's on the spoon. She just sniffs it and she says, I'd rather eat the spoon. I love how Michelle is just so comfortable with her grandmother. I really, again, I just wish we could have gotten Nick and Irene when Nikki and Alex, I mean, come on! Nick holding his namesake, Nikki, oh my god, oh, it's everything, it is everything. Oh, and we really didn't even, oh my gosh, other than the wedding episode? You don't see Nick and Irene, well, even when that, that Christmas, very first Christmas show episode in season two, you don't see them really interact with each other. And I would just, I would have loved to see that with her, with her in-laws. I just, it would have been great. Oh, no, wait a minute. Now that I think about it, we do get that scene when... Well, Jesse and Becky really aren't dating. It was the charity auction thing that they had done, and Becky said, you, you know, $1,700. Well, Jesse says it, and then Nick says, you know, you could have had him for free. That was the only interaction that they really could. Oh, because she's like, oh, Nick, by the way, how are the girls? And yeah, that is the only interaction. Gosh, I really wish we could have gotten some more. I think that would have been fun. Just Irene going in there trying to spoil her grandkids and Becky happy to just stand back and <laughs> I don't know, would Nick get, would would Irene and Becky have clashed as uh mother in law and uh 
daughter-in-law, I really kind of wonder. Yes, Irene in the kitchen. Woo! She's going to make an eggplant parmesan. I've never had that, but if she's making it, I'm eating it. That's all I'm saying. He's like basically, Joey, get out of the kitchen. Joey, get out of my way. Move, move, move. Because Danny's like, bless you, Irene. Thank you. You're such a great mother-in-law. Joey asks, what can I do to help? I love Irene. She says, go to your room. <laughs> basically, like, get out of the kitchen. I'm here now. <laughs> Joey's like, oh, I can do that. Here comes Nick saying, oh, I could eat that face for dessert. Just his cute little baby Michelle. Joey, he was that referring to you. He's like, uh, thanks, Nick, but I gotta run. Oh, my gosh. So, Danny's got, yeah, he's gotta go to work. Like, look, Jesse should be back any minute. I gotta get down on the station and tape some promos. Oh, I, oh my God, I love Nick with, with baby Michelle. Oh, so sweet. Oh, we just, we don't get enough scenes with them, with the girls. I just, oh. I get it, they're probably only allowed, like so many episodes, but gosh, we really could have used them later on. We really could have used them later on. He's doing the, the got your nose, got your nose with Michelle. <laughs> She's so adorable. Oh, that's right, and I got the little horsey in the kitchen. The little bouncing horse. There's a picture of me with my sister on the bouncing horse that we have. Oh my goodness gracious. Um... <laughs> Nick is, is, is baby starved. He's like, Irene, I have a great idea. Let's have another baby. Like, buddy, you got grandkids. Hang out with the grandkids. You don't need to, to have another baby. You guys are already gotta be, like, pushing 50 at this point. <laughs> and Irene says, sweetie, if your brain was a pasture, the sheep would starve. I like that saying. National Intruder, that is what they're using as a play on the National Enquirer. And he's reading about how a 95-year-old woman had a baby. 95-year-old great-grandmother gave birth to twins. Really? Uh, I, I'm calling, uh, uh-uh on that story. <laughs> oh, she says, yeah, she had a 19-year-old boyfriend. I see again, like I said, I have not watched this episode in a like years, guys. And this is I just I find all this is all new to me and I absolutely am here for it. I love it. Oh my gosh. You too, Nick and Irene. Oh the flirtation is high with these two. He's like, What are you saying? What are you saying? You think I'm running out of gas? He's like, what about last night? Was I out of gas then? And she says, you're a Texaco station. <laughs> oh! I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Irene. You got one heck of a guy there. I mean, come on. Look at Jesse. You look at Nick. Nick is an attractive guy. I mean, my goodness. Irene landed herself a man. <laughs> oh, oh, Nick. Oh, we hear where he got. Jesse learned to have mercy. He got that from Nick. <laughs> so they start macking on each other. <laughs> we cut over to Michelle. has got her hand over her mouth. Like, no. Mm, try this. I'd rather eat the spoon. <laughs> Why don't I make a nice eggplant parmesan, huh? Bless you. <laughs> oh, what can I do to help? Go to your room. <laughs> I can do that. 
Oh, I want to eat that face for dessert. Oh, thanks, Nick, but I gotta run. <laughs> well, Jesse should be back any minute. I gotta get down to the station and tape some promos. Bye, Michelle. Bye. Michelle, I got your nose. <laughs> Where's your nose? Where is it? There it is. <laughs> you wanna ride the horse? Come on. Terrific idea. Let's have another baby. Sweetie, if your brain was a pasture, the sheep would starve. I've written the National Intruder that a 95-year-old great-grandmother gave birth to twins. She had a 19-year-old boyfriend. What are you saying? What are you saying? Are you saying I'm running out of gas? What about last night? Was I out of gas then? You're a Texaco station, okay? <laughs> Have mercy. Kids in the room. Kids in the room. Hi, kids. <laughs> Uncle Jesse's back. He's got big news. About time. Joey! Come here, girls. Girls, come here. Here's five bucks for each of you. Thanks, Grandma. Now, remember our deal. Don't you dare tell Grandpa. Got it. <laughs> Money. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta give her some. Of course! DJ and stuff come in, like, kids in the room! And immediately Nick and Irene break apart, like, oh yeah, kids in the room. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Stephanie says that Uncle Jesse is back home. She calls for Joey. Nick goes in to see Jesse. In the living room, that's the next scene coming up. Of course, these girls are making bank. And they haven't had to do anything. Because <laughs> now we got Irene giving them each five bucks. Like, Don't you dare tell your grandfather, okay? <laughs> and I love Michelle putting her hand out. Like, leave me too. <laughs> like, oh, you can't leave Michelle out. If you were older, you know she would be demanding that five dollars. And five more. But we know that Michelle cannot keep a secret, so you know she would be riding on Nick. You know she would. Well, let's go here to the next scene. I, he already is belittling Jesse's, like, I let you off early so you can do your little music, whatever. What What does he call it? He just he says your little music hobby. I'm like, well, I'd be like, no, it's, but, and, and then Nick has, but tomorrow I need you early. And Jesse's like, okay, dad, great, but I got great news. And so does Nick. Apparently, Frasier Street Elementary is calling, probably with cockroaches, which, uh, if that's the case, then that school needs to be shut down and you guys need to do a major, like, what, what, like, like, um, like a, Bug bomb or something? Do they do those anymore? Or maybe that's just for... I don't know. But that's got to be big. I mean, a whole school? That's a big account. They must be rolling in that bug money. That's why Grandpa's got extra money to be doling out to the kids. He says Fraser Street, not Fraser Street Elementary. Every single house up and down that street. But Fraser Street does have an elementary school. So I just assume he's talking about the elementary school. It's a, he says, it's an exterminator's dream. 
Stephanie comes in and says, so what's the big news? And Jesse, uh, I, I'm happy for Jesse. This is just, I love that we kind of steer him and Joey at some point in a, this wonderful direction of working together and the birth of eventually J&J Creative Services in season four. We're not there yet, but I just, he says, they bought it. I sold my first jingle. And I'm just like, oh, that has got to be success. I mean, because if you think about it, his music career is kind of not really a career. And his dad even calling it a hobby is belittling as that is. It feels like, honestly, because even down the road, when eventually the Rippers cut Jesse from the band, even though he's their lead singer, Literally, you have all this other stuff going on in your life right now with, you know, the Smash Club and your family and the radio show. Eventually, the music thing does get kind of pushed aside for everything else. I mean, yeah, he had that hit in Japan, but I'm just, I like the direction that we're going with Jesse in season two. He's not a wild rocker anymore. He's slowly getting into a nice, fulfilling relationship with Re Rebecca that all leads to an almost elopement at the end of season two. But I just, I love the growth, the character growth we're getting from Jesse, even like two to three episodes into season two. That mullet had to go, and then that's the thing that was keeping him from uh, maturing, I think, is we had to get rid of that mullet. Audience, the audience, well, the audience is happy, but everyone, his mom is happy, the girls are happy, Je uh, Joey's happy for him, and they're all celebrating, and the way that Nick just brushes it off, like, it's, it's nothing, it's like, that's great. Anyway, back to cockroaches. Of course, I don't know why this kind of just agitates, I don't know, because DJ does, well, even Stephanie at some point, I think she does that with DJ at some point, the whole going, the whole touching the arm, the sizzling, like, ooh, the man is hot. <laughs> and Jesse, you know he's just looking for validity from his dad. He just wants his dad to say, good for you, Jesse. All he says is, yeah, good, great. Now, back to the real world, cockroaches. 5 a.m. They're going to attack at dawn. Oh, yeah. You just kind of see Jesse just melt in the, to the floor. Just his, he just wants his dad to be proud of him. He really wants to pave his own way. And of course, in the next scene, he's going to go to Irene and Toppler and say, Hey, I want to do this. But. In doing so and wanting to commit myself to this means I gotta let dad down because you know he's always but we're gonna get to that we're gonna play this clip first you off work this afternoon for your little music hobby but tomorrow morning I'm gonna need you real early okay dad I got great news so do I Frazier Street is crawling with cockroaches it's an exterminator's dream no, what's the big news? they bought it I saw my first jingle <laughs> Jesse invites his mom 
to check out his new room because, I mean, maybe they haven't been over there. Well, this is season two. Again, this is the first appearance of Nick and Irene, like I've said multiple times already. So I immediately the one thing she hones in on is the fact that he put up a Frank Sinatra poster. And so her Italian is really on display here. She's like, you hung up the Sinatra poster. There is a God. <laughs> the thing is, if you think about it, honestly, it seems like sometimes with kids, their first musical influences, are like a lot of what they listen to, especially as babies, is, and as they slowly start to age before they kind of get what they want to listen to, you're basically forced to, like, whatever your parents listen to is the first music you you really hear. So that's where his influential taste is from his dad was a big Elvis fan, you know, is taking him probably to see Elvis movies and stuff like that and really cementing his love for, for Elvis Presley and, you know, his mom was... What what's the what's the guy's nickname? Sinatra's like old blue eyes or something to that effect, I think. Then you got your rat pack and everything. So I like that it's a nice combination of what I Irene grew up listening to and what I could just definitely see Nick rocking uh, you know, a leather jacket like like Elvis with the with the Elvis pompadour and everything like that. I could see that. I really could. And then Jesse just kind of emulating that behavior 110%. And Jesse says, yeah, I'm doing a little redecorating. And Irene, she knows her baby boy. She says, honey, you didn't call me up here to talk about redecorating, did you? Because, you know, he's taking his tie off. He's taking his suit jacket off. You know that he really, he does want to talk to her about something important. And he says, how did you know that? And she's like, Jesse, I gave birth to you, all right? A mother knows her son. Again, with the tushy, this is something she is going to continue on into, like, season three. <laughs> she's like, I powdered your little tushy. She goes to grab his tush. <laughs> He's like, stop with the tushy, Mom. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Be serious. So, I like, yeah, Jesse can be real with, one person he can be real with, it's his mom. Like, Ma, I, I want to talk to you about my life and my music, and I hope you'll understand. And you know she will. She's like, hey, of course I understand. She's like, hey. She's like, hey, it's me. I'm hip. I'm with it. I'm bad. It's bad. I'm bad. You know it. I love her. Oh, she is so awesome. You know, I have not seen her really in anything else other than this, so I only know this actress as Irene Katopoulos. She's like, all right, so tell me what you have to tell me. It's like, all right, Mom, well, you know I've been working as an exterminator to earn a living. You know, yeah, he's, you know, following in his father's footsteps because it's, I guess, sometimes, and again, I say, I really don't like it when the parent starts a business, puts the pressure on their child to hopefully one day take over that business, totally disregarding any dreams that said child may have of their own. So basically, Jesse puts it as he's been working as an exterminator with his father, basically just helping him out until his band made it. And Jesse realizes, having sold this jingle for the first time, that I can earn a living playing music right now. Well, I mean, there's playing music and there's writing jingles. There, I mean, 
in regards to playing music and writing stuff, in a way, I mean, still, in a way, yes, you are getting your name out there for, you know, certain products. And if something really blows up and is successful, you can be like, hey, you're the voice behind, um the diaper powder ad or, or the baby powder ad or, or, or like, uh, Casa de Pancakes or something. Yeah, that wouldn't even get on the radio. But, I mean, they cut it down to next to nothing. But still, you're on the radio. <laughs> and the thing is, I don't understand it's why he can't technically do both. I mean, Grady, his dad's probably got to work like six, seven days a week from morning to late afternoon, which probably doesn't leave a lot of time to be able to, but yeah, I mean, like, hey man, just t get the experience under your belt. You sold one jingle. Awesome. It can go on your resume, but you also need to have a constant income. Granted, no, he is not paying rent. But there's other expenses. You know, he probably has to pay insurance on his motorcycle and the upkeep and all that stuff. And, you know, to have some some mad money, some play money, that kind of thing. Can take Becky out once in a while. <laughs> and Jesse says, I think the bottom line is, I don't want to work with Pop anymore. And I can imagine, yeah, can you imagine how, when he's working with his dad, how often Nick is like, one day, Jesse, one day I'm not going to be here, and this will all be yours, this exterminator business. I'm going to leave it all to you, son. I see promise, and I know that you'll take this business. Oh, my gosh, can you believe, if instead of the, the, taco, the taco truck twins, <laughs> we got the exterminator twins, Nicky and Alex, take over Nick's business. I would have rather seen that than what we got. <laughs> oh, they made them the goofball twins in Fuller House, and I can't stand it. They totally ruined those kids. Well, they're adults by the time, well, semi-adults by the time Fuller House rolled around. And Irene takes a, a big breath. She says, Oh. I, I knew this day was coming. And she had to have known. Eventually, Jesse is going to want to strike out on his own and do his own thing. Because, you know, he, he's, what, 20? I bet he's got to be at least 25. Because later on in season two, he does turn 26. So between season one and two, he had another birthday in there where he turned 25. And, of course, Irene says, oh, I was hoping I'd be dead when it did, so I wouldn't have to uh, be the peacemaker here. And, of course, Jesse, before he even says, like, dude, you know your dad's going to flip on you. You know he will. And Irene says, yeah, he's dreamed you'd take the family over to the family business. Oh, let me get this right. So is this a company that Nick started on his own, or is this like the Katsopolis father and son business where... Nick's dad. Wait a minute. Nick's dad is Papuli, right? Then how did he start his business in Greece? And then Nick, when he moved to America, said, hey, I'm going to expand in, in America with this exterminator business and all that. I don't know. And Irene says, but you, you got to follow your own dreams. And she pretty much leaves it to Jesse, like, look, you have to tell your father. But when you do it, 
do it with love, okay? Oh, this is so sweet. Jesse puts a hand to his heart and says, love. Thanks, Ma. Yes. We know that Jesse can be sincere, and he is open and honest with his feelings. Sometimes, you know, it's hard, you know, for guys sometimes not all to express their feelings and stuff, especially when sometimes, especially, you know, admitting when sometimes you could be wrong and having to own up to the fact sometimes that is a little hard. It just, you know, depends on the person. Okay, so Nick comes in. May as well have this conversation now because <laughs> he's in the room. He says, ah, Francis Albert. Nick says, yeah, when he sings, you understand the words. Oh, it was Nick who turned uh, Jesse on to Frank Sinatra. He says, yeah, you know, I like how he's buttering him up. He's like, you know your music, Pop. Greeks invented music. And Irene says, yes, and Italians perfected it. So Jesse has Nick sit down on the edge of the bed and says, Dad, Pop, look. I'm making a lot of changes in my life. You know, I cut my hair. I like that he references that he cut his hair. You know, I don't longer have... Because he even says for the longest time, probably since he was even a preteen or or early teenager, he grew his hair out. I'm dressing nicer. I'm growing up. And he tells him, and I think it's time that I made a real commitment to my career. Of course, when Nick hears this, you know immediately he's thinking the exterminator business. Nick says, oh... Really? You're finally ready to be a partner? It's like Nick isn't hearing Jesse. Because like, this is great. This is beautiful. So Nick's had this business for 27 years. So it was probably just two years prior to Jesse being born. He says, son, 27 years ago I started out this business. I started out with nothing but a fly swatter in a dream. Okay, so then this business grew from him and not... Him and Papuli. Okay. I'm just thinking about, like, all the different uh, exterminator businesses out there, the ones that we know of anyway. What ones actually existed at this time in, like, 1988? I mean, unless there were any, any big businesses that he had to compete with and everything like that. It sounds like he's making a McDonald's reference, like, one billion burgers sold or whatever it is, because <laughs> Nick says, today, over one billion squashed. It sounds like a McDonald's reference. Jesse looks over at his mom and is like, Mom, can you kind of help me out here? And Irene says, Nick, you're not listening. He's trying to tell you something. Okay, calm down, Nick. He's like, Irene, when it comes to my son, I don't need your help. And I'd be, yeah, and right away she's like, oh, excuse me, who was the one who was pregnant for nine months? Was that you? I don't think so. Yeah, because she says, oh, really? I suppose when he was born, you went into labor. Oh, Nick! <laughs> He's like, what, you think carrying you onto the car wasn't labor? Like, excuse me, sir? <laughs> don't forget you're talking to your wife, the woman who bore both of your children. Of course they start bickering and Jesse's pretty much like, hey, we're getting off track here. I thought it was supposed to be about me. And that, yeah, apparently it's not the first crack that Nick has made about her weight <laughs> when she was pregnant with Jesse. Because uh, she's like, oh, we're starting with the weight again? That was love weight, Nick. <laughs> Jesse gets up off the bed and is like, please, come on, come on now. Enough. Oh my gosh. 
Jesse feels, I guess, the only way to get his father's attention is to start shouting at him. Pop, I found a way to make money doing something I love. Music. And immediately, Nick jumps up. He's like, oh, you're going to make a living with this, Mr. Musician? The musician, how many... Yeah, how many records have you sold? Immediately pulls that card out of the hat. Uh, none. Yeah, he hasn't sold any. But he sold a jingle. That something. You gotta start somewhere. Then he's like, well, how many bugs have you squashed? And Jesse says, millions. And Nick says, see, see, you stick with the winner. Yeah, so Jesse just feels he's not getting through to his father. So he says, Pop, I can't do something just because you want me to do it. As in, basically, this is your dream, not mine. And Jesse says, we're two totally different people. Maybe cut from the same DNA, or share the same DNA, but they both have different dreams for for Jesse. And Jesse, he, he doesn't want to do this anymore. And Nick says, we're the same. And Jesse says, we're different. And they're both like, will you listen to me? And they both do the hands or the hair thing. So Jesse just fine, says, fine. It's like, I made my mind, mind pop. And Nick says, meaning what? Jesse says, I quit. Nick says, you can't quit. Yeah, he says, you can't quit. I built this business for you. And Jesse says, dad, that's not what I want to do. Yes, please stop making businesses that you assume your your child is going to just take over one day. Unless that's what they want to do. So many movies, TV shows, books seem to do the same formula of having a per the parents start a business and then have a kid and expect that child to take over. I mean, they had Pam first, but I'm pretty sure that Nick wants a son to take on the business. I mean, clearly he knew, like, Pam was going to get married and start a family and all of that stuff. Gosh, I really wish we could learn more about Pam. We get, like, little, little bits and pieces. Like, Jesse's saying, oh, she wasn't perfect, Danny. She was always late. I think that's about it. He's like, fine, then quit. And he's like, okay, I quit. And then Nick goes one step too far. He says, well, if, if you're out of the family business, then you're out of the family. And it's like, whoa, too far. I get, see, this is what happens when you say things in anger. You know you're going to regret them later. Oh, come on, Nick. Really? Now you have no children. And Jesse can't believe he's like, Pop. And Irene says, Nick? Yeah, he said that in anger. You know this really hurts Jesse because he loves his parents. And this was so hard for him to bring this up to his father. Because he sits down on the bed after Nick walks out. And Irene goes over to Jesse and, you know, puts her hands on his shoulder. Like, Honey, it's okay. I'm going to try to talk to him. And just wait for him to calm down. And we'll be more rational about this. Ah, finally he puts up Sinatra. There is a God. I'm doing a little redecorate. You didn't call me up here to talk about redecorating, did you? How do you know that? Jesse, I gave birth to you. 
Prodded you a little. Tushy! Ah, with a tushy, Mark! Well, I want to talk to you about my life and my music. And I hope you'll understand. Oh, sure I'll understand. Hey, it's me. I'm hip, I'm with it, I'm bad, who's bad, I'm bad, you know it. <laughs> so tell me what you have to tell. Okay. Well, you know, I've been working as an exterminator to earn a living until my band made it, right? Well, selling this jingle made me realize that I can earn a living playing music right now. Bottom line is, I don't want to work with pop anymore. <sighs> I knew this day was coming. I was hoping I'd be dead when it did. Flip out, isn't he? You know he's always dreamed that you'd take over the business and follow in his footsteps. But you, you gotta follow your own dreams, so you tell him. But when you do it, do it with love, okay? Thanks, man. Uh, Francis Albert, and he sings. You understand the words. Yeah, well, you turn me on to Frank Pop. You know your music. Greeks invented music. And uh, Italians perfected it. <laughs> I'm making a lot of changes in my life, you know? I cut my hair, I'm dressing nicer, I'm growing up. And I think it's time that I made a real commitment to my career. Really? You're finally ready to be a partner. This is great. This is beautiful. You know, son, 27 years ago, I started out with nothing but a fly swatter and a dream. Today, over one billion squashed. Uh, Nick, you're not listening. He's trying to tell you something. Irene, when it comes to my son, I don't need your help. Oh, really? I suppose when he was born, you went into labor. What do you think, carrying you out to the car wasn't labor? Oh, uh, starting with the weight again? That was love weight. Oh, come on, please, please. Oh, come on now. Pop, I, I found a way to make money doing something I love, music. You can make a living with this, Mr. Musician. How many records have you sold? None. How many bugs have you killed? Millions. Ah, stick with the winner. Pop, I can't do something just because you want me to do it. We're two totally different people. We're the same. We're different. We're the same. We're different. Will you listen to me? <laughs> I made up my mind, Pop. Meaning what? Meaning? I quit. You can't quit. I built this business for you. That is not what I want to do. Then quit. Okay, I quit. Fine. If you're out of the family business, you're out of the family. Pop, Nick. So we go to Michelle's room, and Danny is in the rocking chair with Michelle. He's reading her uh, Goodnight Moon, and it's just so sweet. And Jesse comes in and just watches Danny read to Michelle. And Danny's like, hey, Jess, you want to help put Michelle to bed? And Jesse, you know he's feeling down. He's like, no, I just want to watch a great dad in action. So clearly Danny can tell something's going on. And Jesse says, you listen to her, you try to understand her problems, you accept her for who she is, her goals, her values. Danny says, oh, she's a two-year-old. Her goal is to eat with a fork. 
And Jesse says, still, you respect that. And Jesse walks out of the room and Danny says, all right, Michelle, let's uh, let's cut tonight's story a little short because I think Uncle Jesse needs me more than you do right now. And he puts her in her crib and says, good night, little mouse. And she says, good night, daddy. Aw, I love that. That's the thing, it just feels like season one, we had the episode where Michelle was calling Joey and Jesse Dada, but not uh, not Danny. And Danny was just horrified. Like, my sweet baby daughter does not know that I'm her father because she thinks you two are her father. Good night, clocks. And good night... <laughs> good night, little house. And good night, mouse. Mouse. <laughs> hey, Jess. Want to help me put Michelle to bed? Nah, I just want to watch a great dad in action. You listen to her, try to understand her problems, accept her for who she is, her goals, values. She's a two-year-old. Her goal is to eat with a fork. Still, you respect that. <laughs> Michelle, let's cut the story short tonight Because I think Uncle Jesse needs me more than you do Okay Good night, little mouse Good night, Daddy <laughs> So when Danny leaves Michelle's room Jesse is in the hallway Sunk down on the floor Just leaning against the wall Head in his hand in his hair, just like he feels horrible. Which I mean, I can I, that those were harsh words coming from Nick. Like you're out of the family business, you're out of the family. Granted, yes, they were spoken in anger, but still. And Danny asked Jesse, like, "Hey, did you try calling your dad?" And apparently, Jesse hasn't. He says, "What's the point? He kicked me out of the family." And Danny says, well, the point is you're sitting on the floor in the hallway like a potted plant. So, of course, Jesse's not going to get out of this talk with Danny. You know, he's all about talking, having a dialogue, lecturing. Like, come on, Jesse, get up, let's go. And yeah, one thing definitely, aside from good hair that Jesse and his dad share and a love of Elvis, they also share that they both have tempers. So, of course... Danny's Mr. Clean <laughs> just comes out of him when he looked at the room like, look at this room, it's a mess. And Jesse kind of levels Danny with a glare like, really? I'm upset and that's what you want to be on me about? And Danny's like, sorry, sorry, just slipped out. J Danny sits on the end of Jesse's bed It's like, look, Jesse, I know Nick, all right? I know your dad. He didn't mean it. He's just a hot-headed, stubborn guy. I'm like... Yeah, Danny, don't you think you were on the brunt of that hot-headed stubbornness when you and Pam went off and eloped? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Danny would have gotten the brunt of that big time. I mean, what Jesse wants to do is like nothing compared to what Danny and Pam, you know, running off at 19 and getting married. <laughs> Danny says, but underneath all that anger... 
is more anger. It's like, yeah, <laughs> there is. But Danny adds, but underneath that is a man who's really hurting because he really loves you. So, yeah, in a way, it's like in order for him to accept that Jesse has a dream and he wants to go after it, Nick has to let go of his own dream of his son taking over his business one day. And Jesse gets up off the bed and says, well, he's got to stop running, trying to run my life. I mean, I'm 25 years old. It's like, yeah, you're, and when Jesse was saying, you know, I cut my hair, I just, I've, I've got a job now, I'm just trying to grow up and everything. And I think for the most part, yeah, he probably has had to hear a lot of lecturing from his dad about taking life seriously. And like, you're not a kid anymore. Why do I feel like it, you know? Because up until season two started, Jesse was just like a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. He lived by his own rules, his own timetable, all that stuff. And that's probably why his dad felt like he had to steer him in a more responsible direction until Jesse could finally take the reins himself and say, okay, I know what I want to do. And sadly, Dad, it's not this. It's not the bug-killing business. And the fact that Everything that Jesse is saying, it's like, man, you need to get out of the phone and tell your dad that. He's like, he's got to start, he's got to start accepting me as an adult who can make decisions for myself. It's like, dude, get the phone, call your dad up. He may not talk to you, but you guys got to have a dial. You guys, you got to hash this out. If you can do it without screaming and shouting at each other, I'd say that's a success. I just, I love how Jesse's finally getting all of this out, even if it's just to Danny. It's like, you gotta get this anger and frustration out of you. Just, like, hey, man, I'm here. You need to vent? Lay it on me. I'm here. So he's like, hey, it's my life, man. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make me happy. And Danny says, good. Are you happy? And Jesse says, nah, I'm miserable. It's like, well, of course you are. You know, he had a real good day. He sold his first jingle. He's on cloud nine, basically. Just living off this high of this little crumb of success. And then here comes Dad saying, oh, forget that nonsense. We're going and we're going to hit Fraser Strait and we're going to kill all those cockroaches at dawn, Jesse. So he's like belittling what his son wants to do, calling it a hobby. It just, that isn't what Jesse needed. He he got to be happy for like five seconds in the car ride, or motorcycle ride home. And then his dad just <laughs> poo-pooed all over that. Like, no, 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 no. Good, your little hobby, I let you. Yeah, he's even like, I let you take time off from work, since you work for me, to be able to do your little music hobby. And Danny goes over to Jesse and kind of steers him towards his his bed just says, Jesse, look, you're not going to be happy until you do everything you can to make things right with your father. And Danny says, you've got to reach out to him because you know that his dad is not going to pick up the phone and call. And you know, you know that while Danny's working on Jesse here, you know Irene is working on Nick and trying to get him to listen to reason. Like, he is our son. He is our only child that we have right now. You really need to work things out. That's so adorable. <laughs> Danny tucks Jesse in. Like, all right, sleep on it, all right? Think about it. 
You know, I I think I used to sleep with just one pillow growing up, but when I became an adult and I started sleeping with two pillows, I could not go back to sleeping with just the one. Honestly, I think I sleep with at least three. I get those those cool pillows that you can get from Target that have the um the it's like the mesh cool pillow. I mean, I know I thought when I was growing up, like I was only. The only person in the world that would constantly be flipping my pillow to the cool side. But turns out, no, that is an actual thing that people do. But why flip when you can get a pillow that is built and made to be cool 100% of the time? <laughs> Danny again with a good night, little mouse. He says good night. Let me guess. Danny turns the light off. It's like he's still in putting Michelle to sleep mode because he turns the light off and closes the door. And then Jesse's like looking at the clock like, what am I doing at 7 o'clock at night? It doesn't make any sense. It's funny because right now I'm recording this at 6.56 at night. <laughs> it's like oh, it's like four minutes to seven here. Did you try calling your dad? What's the point? Kick me out of the family. The point is, you're sitting on the floor in the hallway like a potted plant. <laughs> Jesse, let's talk about it. Get up. Come with me. Look at this room. It's a mess. Sorry, just slipped out. Look, Jess, I know Nick. He didn't mean it. He's just a hot-headed, stubborn guy. But underneath all that anger, there's more anger. But underneath that, is a man who's really hurting because he really loves you. Well, he's got to stop trying to run my life. I'm 25 years old. He's got to start accepting me as an adult who can make his own decisions. It's my life, man, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make me happy. Good. Are you happy? No, I'm miserable. <laughs> Jesse, you're not going to be happy until you do everything you can to make things right with your father. You've got to reach out to him. Come on. Sleep on it, okay? Alright. Think about it. Good night, little mouse. Good night. What am I doing? It's seven o'clock. Okay, um <laughs> let's go across the hall to DJ and Stephanie's room. How in the world, why, actually, is Stephanie, I, she must have had a bad dream because now she's in the middle of a second bad dream. So that's what I'm guessing. It's like, I had a bad dream, DJ. Can I sleep in your bed with you? And she's probably like, yeah, sure. And then because now it's like, I mean, Stephanie is in, like, a dream that it's almost like she's acting out. They like, know, Dennis, I'm not going. I'm not going. And she's climbing all over DJ. And and she, it's like, whether it's in this bad dream that Stephanie's having, like she's trying to hide from the dentist or get away from the dentist. Because this wakes DJ up, of course. I mean, if you have like a younger sleep sibling, like, oh, I had a bad dream and whatnot. And then they start crawling all over you. Are you telling me you're not going to wake up and feel something like, crawling across your stomach and hitting you in the face. I mean, she doesn't hit DJ in the face, but it's like, sudden movement like that, I mean, that would wake me up. Because DJ turns on 
her bedside light, which actually, well, it's one of those lights that's actually clipped. It's an adjustable uh, light that's actually clipped to her headboard. And she's like, may I help you? Like, what is going on? Apparently, wow. Uh, apparently Stephanie sleepwalks because she has no idea how she got in, in, in DJ's bed. She's like, where am I? And DJ says, you're in my bed. What are you doing in my bed? Get out of my, go over to your bed. Yeah, she's like, what are you doing in here? And Stephanie says, I don't know. I had a bad dream. I'm like, did it include sleepwalking over to my bed? Because uh, <laughs> now it looks like you're having more bad dreams. Than well, thank you, Kimmy, for putting these images in this child's head that now she is beyond terrified. She's got, like, pre-PTSD. She hasn't even... I mean, she's been to the dentist, but she has to go in and get that, you know, cavity thing taken care of. Oh my goodness! Is there a motorized toothbrush right on that little side night table by DJ's bed? That looks like a motorized... I didn't know those existed back in 1988. Yeah, and Stephanie explains the dream how she says, I was running in a forest and all the trees were dentists. And they were chasing me. And they were yelling, open wide, open wide. And when Stephanie is going the open, what she's like doing the whole finger thing that the Wicked Witch does when I say, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little doctor, you know, that kind of thing. She's doing the little, <laughs> that there. And DJ says, look, it, it was just a dream, okay? It was just a bad dream. And, you know, sometimes when you wake out of a bad dream and you're not sure, like, if you've 100% come out of the bad dream. Because she asked DJ, well, how do I know you're not a dream telling me it's just a dream? She goes and pinches DJ on the hand. It's like, you're supposed to pinch yourself, you little nerd bomber. She says, Stephanie pinches DJ. And DJ goes, ow! And Stephanie says, I'm awake. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to pinch yourself, nerd bomber. And Stephanie even apologizes. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not myself. DJ, I'm really afraid of the dentist. I feel for, yeah. But, I mean, even before Kimmy said all that stuff, I think that, D, that Stephanie was still afraid because of what she thinks that the dentist is going to do. I don't like what DJ does here. She says, oh, that's because you're a little kid. How does that help your sister? She wants you to be able to quell her fears. Like, tell her, like, it's going to be okay. All right? It's going to be all right. So, <laughs> DJ says, you know, a long time ago when I was a little kid, I was afraid of getting sucked down the drain in the bathtub. That's why I put you in there. And when I found out you didn't go down the drain, I figured I, it was fine. And that it was safe. Whoa! I don't like where this is going. Because she explains to Stephanie how when she was young, you know, a little kid, she was afraid of the bathtub and getting sucked down the drain. So she says, when Stephanie was a year old, she says, I, DJ says, I put you in the tub and pulled the plug. How much water did you have? Oh, my, mm, I, I don't like that. I really don't like that. And DJ says, and when you didn't go anywhere, I know it was safe. Well, <laughs> DJ, 
Jay, you were what? Four? Five? When Stephanie was a year old? Because there's like a four-year age difference. You're telling me that before that time, you hadn't been in the, your mom hadn't, you you taken to give you baths and whatnot. You didn't see the, she never saw the water actually go down the drain. I mean, I don't, I don't get whatever. <laughs> Moving on. And Stephanie said, you tried to send me down the drain? And DJ says, hey, you were only a year old. I hardly knew you. Stephanie just rolls her eyes like, oh, give me a break. office I'm just giving those out there that do have sensitivity in regards to you know trauma with either the dentist office or any type of medical institution and giving you all a heads up the scene has come up and then I'm gonna play the clip after if you don't feel comfortable Hearing me talk about this scene or the clip, you can fast forward a bit. So this is just a forewarning. So, all right. That being said, let's move forward with the scene. We are in the dentist's office. Stephanie is in the chair. The the dentist is he is really chill. <laughs> he is really really chill because Stephanie's refusing to open her mouth. And the doctor does have one of those mirror, little mirrors on a stick, whatever you want to call it. I don't know the proper term. And, like, Stephanie, are you ready for me to fill your cavity? And she's like, mm 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 mm. Will you open your mouth so I can. And she's like, mm mm mm. And he said, well, how am I going to fill your cavity then if you don't open your mouth? She just kind of shrugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's your pro that's, that sounds like a you problem, basically. <laughs> Joey is actually sitting in the chair flipping through uh, some form of a magazine <laughs> that isn't a real magazine in publication, not even for 1988. So I like what Joey does here. It's like, Doc, well, you, I'm sure because Joey did take her. He usually is the one that takes the girls to any type of appointments that they have. I remember that when he was going for that comedy tour or college comedy tour thing back in uh, Joey's room or whatever the episode from season one is called. 
he had a whole like weekly, monthly chart set up with all the different days that the girls had, you know, appointments going on. Well, anyway, I'm sure on the car ride there that Joey was just, cause I'm sure Joey, I'm sure he eats a lot of he eats a lot of candy junk food. Um, he may have had a cavity or so in his day. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't, then I want to know his secret. <laughs> But he probably on the car right there did explain, like, honey, it's going to be all right. I'm going to be with you the entire time. Which I'm sure that is a thing that if a child requests the presence of a parent, or even I can imagine a dentist, especially for a child, you know, Stephanie's age and under, they probably would want to have a parent present, parent or guardian present, to make the experience a little more comforting for the child. So Joey's like, Doc, why don't you give us a minute? So he's going to talk to Stephanie. And it's funny how this episode does kind of get a comeback in season six with Grand Gift Auto when Joey's frustrated because he thinks everyone's laughing at him and he's threatening to move out. Wouldn't be the first time he's threatened to do that. And everyone's got their own little memory of how Joey has been such a big part of their lives. This is Stephanie's moment. Oh. He, the dentist says, you know, I'm going to go find a nice toy just in case you change your mind. You know, I was just thinking, um, there are service animals for all sorts of things, whether it is medical related or there are even dogs that are in the classroom now to provide support for children who need it or just added comfort, even in courtrooms when children have to testify, you know, there's a dog there for comfort. There's, you know. Dogs that help people when an oncoming seizure, you know, a seizure alert dog. And I'm just thinking, what about, like, I know that in regards to, you know, nursing homes and, and hospitals and stuff, a dog has to be trained. And, you know, of course, there's the, the health code and everything. What about dentist office with children who are just learn, you know, going to the dentist for, and it's something that could be really difficult and, uh, they're, say, traumatic. Well, having, like, a, like, a young, you know, you know, trained, cer certified, you know, dog or, or some other animal there just for her, for, for comfort that would, um, you know, while she's going through it, just to have that added comfort there. And I'm just thinking, I mean, I know it's 1988 and, as far as, um, like, Paws with a Cause and other organizations that do help with stuff, nowadays especially. But, um, yeah. I think it almost makes me think that either he's getting her a toy to have while he's, you know, working on her, or if he's, like, as a reward, like, hey, you did a really great job, not only are you getting a sucker, I'll give you this toy... Kind of as a, not so much just a bribe, but as a, a sense of comfort. What about Mr. Bear? She could have brought Mr. Bear with her and held him in her lap the whole time that was going on. That would have been something. He says, mm -mm. He is, this is the super chillest dentist I have ever seen in my life. I want this man to be my dentist. <laughs> I know he's just an actor, but good golly. Oh, Joey says, you know, look, Steph, I know this is not as fun as the circus, but you have to be brave. So you know what you're going to need? You're going to need courage. And she's confused. Like, courage? It's like, yeah, courage. Uh, yeah, and she's, <laughs> she says, courage? And then she's like, 
uh, Curtis, I, I mean, <laughs> she forgets she's, like, trying to keep her. Like, sweetie, you don't have to do that for Joey. It's cool. You can just talk normal. It's okay. And we get a cowardly lion drop here. Remember the cowardly lion in The Wizard of Oz? So whoever, one of the writers must love The Wizard of Oz, which I don't blame them. It's an awesome movie. Uh, I've never read the book, but um, we get a lot of Wizard of Oz drops, at least in the first three seasons here, there, and everywhere. Oh, there's, I love this. There is a, <laughs> an elephant, a pink rabbit, and a, I think that's supposed to be a turtle with a sailor hat and he's got like a paper airplane in one hand and the elephant is like brushing his teeth it, it's just oh it's so cute so cute honestly give props to dave cooley man he he does an incredible and this is not this is not the first time that we have heard his cowardly lion it's so so good oh so he explains how the Cowardly Lion thought that he had to visit the wizard to get courage. But it turns out, the Cowardly Lion already had the courage all along. And Stephanie, so do you. And this is it's just it's cute how he's doing this for her and helping her out. He says, you know, everyone keeps their courage in a different place. Me, I keep mine right here behind my ears. And Stephanie asks, where do you think my courage is? And Joey says, I don't know. And then he looks around, and he finds the uh, thing that sucks the, the excess saliva out when they're working on, you know. And he says, this is a courage detector. And she's like, last time I was here, it was a spit sucker. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, it does that too. And he starts going up her, you know, her hand and then up her arm, like, doing the beep, beep, beep. And then when he gets to her mouth, like, beep, 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 beep. Oh, my gosh, I think we found your courage. We found it, Steph. So, yeah, I found it. Your courage is inside your mouth. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, here, take a look. So he takes the mirror, and he mentions that little hanging ball thing, which I think is the uvula, isn't it? I think it might be. So I guess according to Wikipedia, is the it's the palatine, palatine uvula, usually referred to as simply the uvula, is a conic projection from the back edge of the middle of the soft palate, composed of connective tissue containing a number of rosmos, rasmos glands, I'm sorry guys, and some muscular fibers. It also contains many serous glands which produce thin saliva. It is only found in humans. And what is the function? Let's find out what the function, during swallowing the soft palate and the uvula move together to close off the nas so farms and prevent food from entering the nasal cavity. Oh, okay. Also been produced that the abundant amount of thin saliva produced by the uvula serves to keep the throat well lubricated. It also has a function of speech. In many languages, a range of consonant sounds known as uvular, uvular consonants are articulated by creating a constriction of airflow between the uvula and the back of the tongue. Ah, okay. That's great. Stimulation of the uvula also causes the gag reflex to initiate. 
Oh, I didn't know that people could get a uvula piercing. That sounds, uh, this isn't a common method of inducing vomiting. Gotcha. All right. Well, that is very interesting. I learned something new. Maybe you all learned something new. If you want to find out more about the uvula, uh, you can find that online. <laughs> oh, it's the little, um, mirror on a stick thing he's like see in the back of your throat there that little hangy ball thing and honestly i don't think i even knew i think that's probably what i referred to it as the hangy ball thing in the back of your throat i didn't know that it was a uvula until i probably became an adult honest honest and for true i think that it i learned that as an adult and stephanie's like yeah hey what is that and joy says well hey yeah that's your courage hangy ball because I don't think they call it a uvula in this episode. And <laughs> probably every kid, unless they were told what it was, probably thought it was just there for decoration. So the dentist comes in and is like, hey, how are we doing there? Are you ready to give it a try? And Simmy says, well, okay. And then Joey does a little uh, earlobe flick thing, like, remember your courage. And Stephanie says, you better not be kidding me about this hangy ball business. I can imagine he probably would be, you know, in the room while that is going on, just in case, like, and I'm sure the dentist is, because uh, usually it seems like the dental hygienist is the one that takes care of it, and then the uh, actual dentist comes in to check the work, or at least when I've had a cleaning done, that's kind of how it's been. So I'm going to play the clip. Stephanie, are you ready to open your mouth? Mm-mm. Then how am I going to fill your cavity? Mm-mm. Uh, Doc, why don't you give us a minute? I'll go find a nice toy, just in case you change your mind. Mm-mm. I know this isn't as much fun as a circus, but you have to be brave. So you know what you're going to need? Courage. Courage? I mean, mm-hmm. Remember the Cowardly Lion and the Wizard of Oz? If I were king of the forest. See, the cowardly lion thought that he needed the wizard to give him courage. But he really had it all along. And so do you. Everybody keeps their courage in a different place. Me, I keep mine right here. What do you think my courage is? Well, I don't know. But luck. We're in luck. A courage detector. Last time I was here, it was a spit sucker. <laughs> well, it does that, too. Let's find out where your courage is. I found it. This is great. Your courage is inside your mouth. Really? Yeah, here, take a look. See? See in the back of your throat there, that little... Hangy ball thing? Hey, yeah, what is that? Watch your courage hangy ball. I thought that was there for decorations. How are we doing here? Want to give it a try? Well, okay. You better not be kidding me about this hangy ball business. Alright, so now that the dentist scene is over, we can get back to the house. We're in the living room. Jesse and Michelle are on the couch. 
they both have guitars. Michelle's got a cute little yellow and light blue toy guitar. Jesse's got his guitar. It's like, you know, Michelle, now that I'm out of the bug business, maybe you and I should put an act together and take it on the road. Oh, is this where they sing I Got You, Babe? <laughs> I love this. Michelle, since I'm out of the bug biz, maybe you and I put an act together take it on the road, huh? Here, sing this. I got you, babe. Sing it. I got you, babe. That settles it. You be sunny. Sing it again. I got you, babe. So, Irene and Nick show up, and she's like, uh, hi. <laughs> and of course, Nick right away is going to start in on the, I thought you said Barney Manilow wasn't going to be here. <sighs> really, Nick? you got to be that stubborn. He's your son. Grow up. You're being like season one immature Jesse right now. So, Jesse tells Nick, Pop, look, I asked Mom to bring you over here. And in the background... We see Irene go over to Michelle, and we hear Michelle clearly say, hold that. So I'm guessing she's like, here, hold this guitar. And Nick, still being stubborn, says, I don't have anything to say. And Irene says, Nick, find something to say. Yeah, and she, yeah, they don't even know what this is doing to Irene. She says, Nick, find something to say, to say because I can't stand seeing the two of you not speaking to each other. And Irene tells them, there are two men in this world that I love more than anyone. Marcello Monstriani and one of you guys. Come on. So who she's referring to, Marcello Vincenzo Domenico Mestriani, who passed away in 1996. He was an Italian film actor, regarded as one of his country's most iconic male performers of the 20th century. Played leading roles for many of Italian's top directors in a career spanning 147 films between 39 and 97. Let's see, he's got two Golden Globes, Venice and Cannes, Best Actor Awards at the Venice and Cannes Film Festivals, Academy Award nominations. I'm just trying to see what he's partners Faye Dunaway from 68 to 70, Catherine Deneview from 70 to 74, Anna Maria Tetting from 76 to to 96 is death. He's got two kids. He's got a brother. I'm just trying to see what. Let's see. A comedy big deal on Madonna Street. Okay. Uh, Los Dolces. Dolces. I mean, have uh, divorce. Italian style. A special day. Dark eyes. Stuff like that. Okay. Cool. 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 So really, definitely, those are definitely highlighting Irene's Italian side. So she leaves the two of them alone to patch things up. And you see Jesse kind of roll. It's like clearly he is very stressed out. This has really been really hard on him. And he keeps kind of rolling his shoulders, almost trying to relieve the tension in his shoulders. And he asks, like, how did you get here? Did you take Market Street? And so immediately Nick is turning it into a fight over a simple question. Market Street? At this hour? What, am I an idiot? Like... Uh, he just asked you a simple question. Couldn't you have said, like, uh, no, we didn't. We took something else. Yeah, he's like, is this why you called me over here? And Jesse's like, Pop, why are you yelling? What are you yelling at me for? Yeah, it's like, 
Yeah, he's like, what are you yelling at me for? This is a small talk. We haven't even gotten to the fight. So, of course, Nick, bullheaded that he is, says, oh, yes, we have. If you think I'm going to admit that it was wrong, you're crazy. He says, my only son quits the family business. And here comes Irene again with, look who wants to visit Grandpa. Immediately, she's been, like, hanging in the doorway watching this. Like, she knows exactly when to bring Michelle in to defuse the situation. And, of course, you know that Michelle melts this man's heart. This isn't fair. I was very steamed. I want to stay steamed. So, he's like, oh, come here, my little angel. And he's like, Grandpa, Grandpa. (laughs) And, of course, Irene says, Nick, we have a wonderful son. And it's like she has a reminder, like, he loves you very much, and you love him. And she pretty much gives him an ultimatum, like, now forgive him, or we're getting Ozzy and Harriet beds. Or, I was gonna say, like, Lucy and Ricky beds, because they were both in separate beds, too. So, he, uh, Irene takes Michelle from Nick, and is like, alright, come on, yeah, that was good to be, uh, <laughs> melted his heart a little bit. <laughs> Jesse tells him, like, Pop, look, I want out of the family business, but I want out of the family. And Jesse is just really trying to reason with Dad, like, Dad, what do you think I did this morning? Like, wake up and say, what should I do today? Hmm, make an omelet or break my father's heart? This was so hard for Jesse to be able to bring this up to his dad. He knew how his dad was going to react. He didn't know that he would take it so far as to say, you're out of the family. But still. I mean, unless, and the fact that Jesse, it's not like he's just recently gotten into music. He's been into music since he's had a band since he was in, like, junior high. And the fact that, what, his his dad just thinks it's a passing phase or it's just a little hobby? I'm sorry, but if you're doing something for, like, five plus years, it's not a hobby anymore. And I like how Jesse, he kneels down in front of his dad and says, Dad, this is the one of the hardest things I've ever done. But you, you can't throw me out of the family. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm your son. And it just, it breaks my heart to see, it's like, Jesse is practically on his knee. Well, he is! Asking his dad, just saying, why would you kick me out of the family? Because I don't want to take over the family business one day. Because I have dreams of my own. And now Nick's coming at it with, like, well, I didn't build a business to sell to some stranger. It's like, dude, no one's saying you have to sell your business to some stranger. Nobody. I mean, how profitable is his business? He's been doing this for 27 years, almost three decades. And again, Nick is making it all about himself. He's like, you really messed up my dream. And I'm saying for Jesse, I would think his next words are better. Well, what about my dream? Shouldn't that count for something? Yeah, he says, what about my dream? Don't you want to see me happy? Like, this, oh, it just tears my heart out. And when he's like, don't you want to see me happy? And Nick says, yeah, yeah. And then Jesse, he just wants his dad to say, I am proud of you. He's like, why can't you be proud of me? Then Nick kind of jumps up and says, oh, hey, who said I'm... I wasn't proud of you. And this takes Jesse by surprise. Like, you're you're proud of me, really? And Jesse's like, I mean, you're you're proud of me for standing up to you and doing what I believe in? And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. He's not proud of you for that. What he is proud of the, Jesse for is the fact that Jesse came 
at a time when his family needed him, when he moved in to help Danny with the girls. And we do get, you know, a Pam name drop here. And he's like, you know, I told you, you really messed up my dream, but it came through on another dream. The one about you growing up to be the kind of man I respect. And he says, when your sister died, may she rest in peace. Of course, oh, it looks like Nick is, I mean, Nick is on the verge of tears. He says the whole family was devastated. And and he also, you know, the way you moved in here and you, you pulled us all together. Yeah, and he knows what Jesse gave up to come, move into that house. The sacrifices he made to help Danny and, you know, and Nick has, and to raise our granddaughters. And he says, that really made me proud. And Jesse says, thanks, Bob. It's interesting how Jesse kind of bounces back between saying dad, calling him Nick dad or pop. As, but I'm a musician and I want you to be proud of me for that too. And Jesse adds, you know, I want you in my corner, my corner. And I just, gosh, whenever someone says that, I just, I, I don't think I watched Dirty Dancing all the way through, but good golly, that whole nobody puts baby in a corner line is like fused in my brain. And uh, Nick finally admits, like, I guess I was a little rough on you. It's like, yeah, you did jump the gun with that. You're out of the, if you're out of the family business, you're out of the family. But then again, I mean, Nick does say, look, I'm never going to be happy about this music thing. Like, you have to know that. But I'm always going to be in your corner. And it's like, at that point, it's like, Jesse is like, that's about as good as your dad's going to be able to give you right now. Like, he's not going to say, I don't want you to do music. He's not going to say you're not in the family because you're not doing the exterminator business. But he is going to always be in Jesse's corner. He's not going to stop. Like I said, he's not going to stop him from being, if that's what he wants to do, he's not going to be happy about that. But Jesse's got to live his life. And he's, he's, I think he's come to that point where he knows that. And he says, I'm your old man. And they hug. And oh my gosh, my heart is breaking. I love this so much. The audience, of course, is happy that they've made up. Jesse says, Ma, you can come back in now. And of course, she's in the door. And she's like, I never left. Like, nah, she was just right around the corner listening the whole time. Oh, look, Stephanie got a gift bag. A little gift bag. And she's got cinnamon-flavored Dennis and <laughs> cinnamon-flavored Dennis. Oh, my goodness. Cinnamon-flavored dental floss. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, of course, they always, they always give you that. They give you floss, you know, new toothbrush, all that fun stuff. Toothpaste. Then they set you up for a visit. Next visit in six months. So it just whenever I go in for a clean, you know it's like twice a year. And they always say, okay, so like it's February and like the next appointment's like six months, like in August or when at September, whatever. And it's just you're thinking you can't even fathom that far into the future, six months down the road. Like not any not like there's gonna be any dramatic drastic changes or anything, and you'll ho hope not, but it's just like Wow, that is six months down the road. Wow, that is a ways. <laughs> and all the stuff you got to get through just to get to your next dentist appointment. You're like, wow, look how many things I've done in the last six months since my last visit. It's been a bit. And that's why they want to catch up. Like, hey, what have you been doing since your last appointment? You go anywhere? Take any trips? 
See any movies? What do you watch on TV? Oh my gosh. The coolest thing, the dentist office I go to has a little TV so you can watch. I think the last time I went, I think it was like golfing or the time before that, I think might have been like the Maybe it was the Olympics, something. I can't remember what was on, but it's just like, give something for your eyes to watch while they're working. Oh, she got a Snoopy toothbrush! We just get those regular Colgate. That's a thing. Honestly, I'm more a fan. If I had to choose toothpaste, I always go with Crest. I don't know why. I'm just a fan of Crest over Colgate. Just like I'm a fan of um, Quilted Northern over Cottonelle because Cottonelle has the ridges in the toilet paper and I'm not a fan. I'll take ridges in my potato chips but not in my toilet paper. Dental floss, cinnamon. That is a big thing of dental floss. That is like an adult. Usually we get an itty bitty like travel size like you're going overnight to a hotel and you need some dental for like a travel I always if I'm getting I always get like the travel toothbrush mouthwash dental floss combo thing. I ain't bringing my regular toothbrush to a hotel overnight. Forget that. If I end up forgetting it, then boom, I'm on a toothbrush. Sugar, ugh, sugarless gum. Very tasty. That is such a large little gift bag for those three items. I get a little plastic bag that is just big enough to fit a toothbrush, a teeny tiny travel dental Tooth, travel toothpaste and an itty bitty tiny dental floss that's just enough for like maybe a week's worth of flossing. <laughs> that's about it. I don't get a giant gift bag with a bear on it. Okay, seriously, someone put her up to that. How much did Doe Joey pay you? Because she says, for my next birthday, forget the clown. I want a dentist. In elementary school, I do remember, I think it was second grade or was it third? Second or th it might have been third grade. We had a dentist come in and explain, you know, dental hygiene and all that fun stuff. And then we got toothbrushes. It was really cool. But would I want that for a birthday party? No, thank you. That dentist, he was cute. He was cute. Which is interesting because in season three, we get the, um... Stephanie lose yeah the breaking up is hard to do in 22 minutes episode in season three we get Stephanie losing a tooth because now she's pointing to her teeth <laughs> don't tell me she wants to hurry up and get more cavities so she have an excuse to go to the dentist sooner oh my goodness I hope not now this is interesting for the most part Danny and DJ, we're out of this last episode. I guess Danny's at work, DJ's at school, maybe still? Because you know that they don't do dentist things like this on the weekends. It's usually going to be during the week, during the school day, or after school. Hi. But you said Barney Manilow wasn't going to be here. <laughs> Pop, I asked Ma to bring you over here. I don't have anything to say. Nick, find something to say. I can't stand seeing the two of you not speaking to each other. There are two men in this world that I love more than anyone. Marcello Mastriani and one of you guys. <laughs> so how'd you get over here? Did you take Market Street? Market Street? At this hour? What am I, an idiot? 
Is this why you called me over here? Pop, what are you yelling at me for, man? This is the small talk. We haven't even got to the fight yet. Oh, yes, we have. If you think that I'm going to admit that I was wrong, you're crazy. My only son quits the family business. I mean, what? Who wants to visit Grandpa? This isn't fair. I was very steamed. I want to stay steamed. <laughs> my little angel. Grandpa. Grandpa. Nick, we have a wonderful son. He loves you very much, and you love him. Now, forgive him. Or we're getting Ozzy and Harriet beds. <laughs> I want out of the family business. I don't want out of the family. Come on, Dad. What, what do you think? I woke up yesterday and say, what should I do today? Make an omelet or break my father's heart? Dad, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. But you can't throw me out of the family. I'm your son. I didn't build the business to sell to some stranger. You really messed up my dream. What about my dream? Don't you want to see me happy? Yeah, yeah. Then why can't you be proud of me? You said I wasn't proud of you. You're proud of me, really? When you're proud of me for standing up to you and doing what I believe in? No, I hate that. <laughs> I told you, you really messed up my dream. But you came through on another dream. The one about you growing up to be the kind of man I respect. Your sister died. May she rest in peace. The whole family was devastated. The way you've moved in here and you pulled us all together, the sacrifices you made to help Danny raise our granddaughters, that really made me proud. Thanks, Bob. I'm a musician. And I want you to be proud of me for that, too. I want you in my corner. Uh, I guess I was a little rough on you. Look, I'm never going to be happy about this music thing. But I'm always going to be in your corner. I'm your old man. <laughs> Molly, come back in now. I never left. <laughs> Who's back from the dentist? It was great. I got a Snoopy toothbrush, dental floss, cinnamon, <laughs> and sugarless gum. Yeah. Very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the episode. So for best outfits, hmm, I honestly think I want to give that to Jesse when he, I think he, I'm trying to think, like he wears like a teal, light teal tie with a, a teal like button up underneath his blazer or something, but I, I really liked that on him, it looked really good. Um, let's see. Worst outfit? Uh, honestly, I'm not a fan of Nick's bug jacket. It's like a 
like a light gray members only jacket with a uh, yellow circle with a a dead ant on its back just like the silhouette of it and I'm just like oh could have tried harder so of course Tanner teachable moment is this there are things that you can do ahead of time when it comes to a visit to the dentist or the doctor whether it could be a procedure that has to be done for whatever reason and your child has not experienced something like that it's your job to make them feel as comfortable as possible to quell their fears to answer any questions that they may have and I mean, I know that there are dentists out there that are more catered to children that have people trained specifically when it comes to walking them through the procedure, everything that's going to happen, having a child, you know, have a parent in the room, stuff like that, whatever you have to do to make sure and just say, I mean, just tell them it's going to be okay, not necessarily isn't going to necessarily quell their fears. I mean, you saying I've been there before where you are and it's, uh, you telling them it's nothing to worry about doesn't help them either. So just honestly, and like I said, I'm not a parent, so just use your best judgment. If they have a treasured stuffed animal or something that you feel would bring them comfort that they can bring with them to the visit, could also be. That's why I'm like, I don't understand. Stephanie brought Mr. Bear to Hawaii with her. And she also brought Mr. Bear when they went shopping to replace the find that royal blue sweater in the Valentine's Day episode. So why couldn't they have had Mr. Bear? Well, actually, now that I think about it, when was Mr. Bear's first appearance in season two? Let me see. Yeah, it would have been, I think, uh, episode two, the episode prior, we would have seen Mr. Bear for the first time. So I think maybe because he was just recently introduced, maybe they weren't going, they weren't using him as heavily as they would later on. So also a Tanner Teeple moment is, again, I said throughout the episode, don't put your dreams and your hopes on your child where if you start a business and you hope one day you dream of the day when your child will take over if that's not what they want to do and they have their own dreams give your child room to dream and let them know that you are always in their corner and you accept their dreams so the next episode in the fathers and sons double feature of course is from season four Episode 7, Viva Lost Joey, which aired November 2nd, 1990. In this episode, Joey gets the opportunity of a lifetime when he's asked to open for Wayne Newton in Las Vegas. And we see his father played by, oh, Wayne Newton as himself, of course. We have Arlen Dean Snyder as Colonel Gladstone. This guy. <laughs> There's an episode of The Wonder Years where he plays like a cousin of Jack Arnold's, uh, the father of Kevin Arnold, the main character. And they're at a funeral. And it's just. It's interesting to see him play such a 
buttoned up. You know, he's he's a colonel. You know, he's been in the army. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. And does he go from that character to in like 1990 to playing this Lloyd Arnold in 1991 I'm just like wow night and day difference here peeps <laughs> um yeah so that will be the last episode and the Fathers and Sons double feature. Again, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really, like I said, I hadn't, Viva Boss Joey is another one that I really don't watch heavily, constantly, unless it's a holiday episode or, like, the wedding episodes, the one where Jesse and Becky find out they're having twins, the one where she finds out she's pregnant, the episode with Tommy Page in season five, just... Or the back-to-school episodes, I watch all of those in September, and so on and so forth. And just, I love to watch, and they call it Puppy Love, the one where Comet's mother gives birth in the Tanner home, and they get Comet, the puppy. Um, there is an episode, a cold open of an episode, that where they get to name Comet, which is really, really cool. They come up with a name for him. That is actually going to be in the um, Best Friends series that I'll be doing. Mm, excuse me. That's going to be probably closer to the the end of the year, sometime between, I think, September and November, possibly, right around that time. So look forward to that. If you guys want to email the podcast, you can do so at podcast. <laughs> O-M-H-C-F-H-F-H podcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry. Wow, it's now 8-11. And also, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, if you really like it and you want to help the podcast out, every podcast needs support, just like this one does. You can go to iTunes and scroll, you know, type Full House or Fuller House, the Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. Scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. So, that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And have a good day. Bye-bye.